재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Welcome back to Koreascape. Seoul and Korea is becoming more and more important all the time on the world stage and a whole lot of interesting people pass through here. Some of them for a short time, some of them longer. And we make it our job to bring you some of the interesting people that make up the fabric of life here. We're joined this week by a, an academic with some pretty impressive chops. His name is Chris Larson. He's a professor and director at Hanguk University of Foreign Studies. He originally started with a background in philosophy, biology, and education. These days, his PhD is in international relations and Asian studies. That's what brings him here to Korea. And at Weide, he's doing uh, advising for a lot of international students. That includes mentoring them and fostering them along. And so he's kind of a linchpin figure in ensuring the diversity over at uh, Hanguk University. Chris, welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me, Kurt. It's a pleasure to have you. I just We were just chatting before going on, and uh, we're apparently both speaking at the same conference next week over right, at uh, right. Weide. Uh, it's, a, it's a conference on, what's the overarching umbrella of that? It's like Korea's place in the world or Korea's, it's almost a, a multi-angle look at brand Korea, isn't it? Yeah, my understanding is the um, power is one of the things that IR scholars are most interested in, mm-hmm. so... Uh, I think some people are going to talk about North Korea, hard power, and all these nuclear weapons issues. And then uh, others, like myself, will talk more on the soft power diplomacy angle and some of those things. You say, you know, South Korean soft power and instantly the image of loudspeakers blaring uh, K-pop and Hallyu and uh, Chinese by the hordes getting off airplanes to go shopping in Myeongdo. Uh, That's, of course, like the most transparent layer of uh, soft power. Are there other aspects of soft power that you've got on your mind? Well... Uh, traditionally, soft power is usually a, so- is a state-level thing. So they okay. say, well, what do states do, such as finance the Korean wave or whatever, to help their image abroad? Sure. Uh, so that's a big thing. But my focus is more how the values of Korean people and Chinese people and maybe others uh, with change in globalization and modernization make them actually see the world similarly. And then maybe over time, it you know charts their trajectory in a direction that may bring them closer together in trade ties and stuff like that. You don't have to fight people that you agree with, right? Uh, that you share value with. There's that famous uh, Thomas Friedman uh, thing from the, I believe it's from the Lexus and the Olive Tree, that book. He said, no two countries that have a particular chain of fast food restaurants have ever gone to war <laughs> with each other. Uh, the one exception being maybe Argentina and Britain over the Falklands. But uh, the idea being that, you know, liberal democracies that share values tend not to go to war with each other. Yeah, there's this idea of democratic peace. Yeah. So, you know, uh, the real question is is that uh, everyone's sort of scratching their head about North Korea. So if we can normalize relations even more with, you know, players in the region, maybe that can, like, help bring North Korea into the fold one day. But, you know, it's a big question mark. We've been talking about this for decades, so... Really, we have. I mean, a lot of people think that uh, North Korea, the whole North Korean situation is in this permanent, you know, kind of merry-go-round. Uh, I think lately, in the last few years, there's been an idea that the situation is sharpening because of North Korea's capabilities and so on. Right. Anyway, let's get more into you personally. We want to meet you as sort of our people and soul person. You've got quite this diverse background. I mean, philosophy and biology. Is that, uh, what? as a young student, uh, what were you targeting? Were you just fascinated by these two things? or? Uh... Well, people often said, you know, these are totally different things, so what uh-huh. are you doing? And to, me, to my mind, 
I see them as complementing each other pretty well. And my whole goal was to go to medical school, which I did for a while. And then I just decided uh, to go in a different direction. And uh-huh. uh, I had applied to some graduate programs in education. And they said, wow, you know, uh, at your age at the time, if you don't have experience in education, then maybe you're going to be unemployed even though you have lots of education. So why don't you go get experience? And then that sort of led me to coming here and, and the rest is history, I guess. Experience in education translated into what? Teaching English at first or higher level stuff? <clears throat> uh, I guess it was teaching English at first, but I didn't know what I was getting into when I came to Seoul, like probably most of us. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, it was a blind I'll just adventure. do a year. I'm going to get some experience, save some money, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And right. then your feet are in the quicksand. Yeah, the vortex pulls you in and <laughs> the more you try to escape, then, uh, you know, yeah, you're here. And, and did a Korean wife enter the equation? Yeah, eventually. Um, and that's one of the things that, you know, I think about helping students. Um, uh, I've been here a while, so uh, it's next month it'll be 18 years. Whoa. So. Um, okay, so you're you're definitely. Uh, yeah. You're no short timer. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty good stretch. So. Wow. You um, don't seem old enough to have been here for 18 years. <clears throat> I guess the thing about that is um, I came here at first as a student and then uh, it pulled me in quickly because I was sort of ambitious and yeah I and and then um, like I said I tried sort of to leave but I kept coming back every few months and back and forth and back and forth and then I just said well I'm here this is this is what it's going to be so yeah so the tr- was it uh, English teacher for a while and then you decided to enroll in a, in a PhD program here is that how it went um it's well the time the timeline is really long so okay. yeah uh, i was teaching english and then i had this molecular genetics background so i did consulting in biotech and i did uh you know uh reading academic papers and putting them into a more concise english for people to understand and uh-huh. wandering around to try to be you know young and ambitious and the like and then uh eventually that led to study more get more you know north korea was a big issue back in 2002 sure um so it's like yeah this is really fascinating let's study this let's get into this and that becomes cultural studies and you know things start blending together which i think you know people who want to stay here for any you know amount of time they need to learn how to integrate what they know and their skills and interests into the society so they can be happy right they can find contentment in hobbies or friends and family and whatever else they decide to do yeah you can only sort of exist as a periwinkle uh, or a barnacle on the exterior of the society one of the things that you know is fun about being an expat in korea is you, you, you can choose your level of participation, at least for a certain amount of time. And if you want to remain aloof or outside of the whole system, you can. You can, you can sort of have a feeling of connection, yet not be subject to all of the sort of social rigors and requirements that Koreans do. But like you were saying, you were hinting at, if you want long-term happiness, you do have to kind of get your feet wet, don't you? You have to get involved. Yeah. I mean, a friend of mine says he really enjoys the expat life. Yes. And I think a lot of people ride that wave. That's right. But you're always... And Koreans also, um, as many other people, will keep a sort of hands distance because of the sort of homogeneity of society yes. and the like. And, and so, yes, you're going to have tremendous difficulties integrating 100%, regardless of how good one's Korean is and yep. the like. But those things are definitely... Um, 
aspects that can enhance your life tremendously. When you speak a little Korean, when you uh, know a little bit more, you read a few books, you make friends, you connect, you go to the Pojang Macha and you in- engage and interact, it, yep. it can add a level of enhancement that you wouldn't have fresh off the boat trying to figure things out. That's right. And I think a lot of people, even for years, they, they enjoy that sort of Martian status. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of walking here as a, almost like a ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, so y- you're dealing with all of these young people now at uh, Hanguk Wede and uh, are you sort of their uh, you know their big brother figure or what what kind of role do you play over there no um, I guess I mean some people know more about my background and things like that and uh, but you know the more I can talk about the experience that I've had even for Koreans it's a little weird because I went from English to doing business things but then eventually I bought and sold real estate and I built my own home in the countryside here and things like that which is quite unusual even for expats and even for Koreans for that matter and from that people think well what am I doing what can I do and so the students from all over the world who have various economic and social circumstances say you know what can I can what can I make of Korea what's the possibility here yeah and um, yeah so in that particular job um, mostly it's doing things like this, advertising on behalf of the students, advising, talking to them about their problems. And as your last segment um, addressed, you know, there are visa issues, there are social issues, there are legal issues, there are things that pop up. Yeah. And, uh, and, and some of that is just, uh, you know, homesickness or, or whatever else. And then people want to, or people want to just find a certain kind of restaurant. I mean, they can search on their own and people are far more equipped today than they were you know, of course, decades plus ago. So, yeah, one quick look on the map application, and uh, they can find their way to anything that they want. Yeah, is homesickness still? I mean, at the university level, is it still an issue? Uh, I guess it's hard to say, but the integration factor and the social networking factor yes. sort of masks that. Uh-huh. Um, when there was, I mean, there was no cell phone when I came really to Korea. I mean, I guess it was just starting. Um, but, you know, pagers, I guess, existed and things like that. But, yeah. you know, I mean, we're talking about um, no wine and cheese and soju, okay. 650 won a bottle and stuff like that. <laughs> and, I mean, and my mentors who came in the 60s and 70s, I mean, their life is like categorically different, right? Yeah, of so course. I think uh, they have quite a better ride of it now uh, than the past. That is part of the fun of Korea is that it's a it's a relatively compact microcosm that changes unbelievably fast. Justin, right. I mean, I, I think of myself as a long timer. I've only been here about eight years compared to you. I'm nothing. But uh, the, the sweeping changes that take place in a compressed period of time. Yeah, I think that's one of the draws too. Yes. I mean, people, you come in and you go on vacation, you come back and something's different. Yeah. The, the landscape or a new slang or new food chain or, or whatever. I mean, there's this constant upheaval, uh-huh. which could be, it could be like constantly being on vacation in a sense, like you're in the mix of this ebb and flow constantly of change. And, this, and, you know, I think that there's a certain appeal to that too, although sometimes it's a little exhausting to try to keep up with it all. Right. About the, uh, I mean, in the your field too, you know, politics and what's going on at the top levels, things change relatively rapidly too. We've had just in the time that I've been here, these sort of pendulum swings of uh, political sentiment and who's in charge and so on. Well, in the last few days especially. Last few days, we may see yet more to come, right? right? A university, I've never had the, I mean, I went to some language training on a university, so I got to dip my toes in, but... Uh, I envy the international students that are able to come and totally immerse in a university environment here in Korea because it's, it can be hard to achieve immersion. Um, you know, when you're working 
like in a job like mine where you're in a fully English language uh, environment or my last job where I was a correspondent, you don't really connect to people that much. Whereas in a university, you're in this this aquarium and you've got uh, the local Koreans, you've got the world community. I mean, it, it must be great to be able to observe that kind of thing day after day. Yeah, and I think that's one of the best parts of, of working in a university if you talk to people who do that. I mean, um, there's this youthful energy all the time. Yeah. And you can see this unfolding of how thoughts and ideas change among people who are just starting out and just trying to figure out what they're going to do. Um, at the same time, among the, especially the, the foreigner community, so-called foreigner community, um, there's a certain amount of disillusionment too because what they see on you know, soap operas and mm-hmm. music and things is not really what you get when you land in Incheon. Okay. And so maybe some people might have a certain degree of disappointment um, while others may eat it up in the honeymoon period for a while. Yes. Um, the, the real trick is teaching people to uh, take the right steps so that they actually understand what Korea is. It's not soap operas and it's not, there's a deeper side to it. I, I think you cycle, right? I rode my bike from Seoul to Busan a couple uh, summers ago. And I mean, when you go into the country or go outside of the the well of Seoul, for example, uh, you just see things and you experience things that are far outside of the norm, uh, your norm, I guess. You've got this sort of like alpha aspect to you, don't you? I mean, it's like this type A kind of, uh, so far you've told me, <laughs> oh yeah, well, I kind of dabbled in molecular genetic biology, then I bought and sold real estate, and I built a house in the countryside, and now I'm a professor. I mean, you, you've got a, a bit of a zest for things, don't you? I guess, I guess. Uh, well, you, when you put it that way, it's a sort of denuding of things, but um, no, I think I was always sort of uh, extra thirsty. Yeah. I, uh, maybe it's a sort of Icarus, you know, who gets burned. I, I, um, I didn't ever see it like that. And the danger is that Renaissance man, you know, may end up sort of not having the skill sets to do anything particular. Jack of all right? trades and yeah. master of none. Um, for me, it wasn't. It wasn't like I was trying to, you know, prove anything or or, or whatever. It's just I followed one like to another sure. in order to chase down what I thought was going to make me happy and content. And it didn't. It didn't come across to me as like I'm being particularly ambitious or anything yeah. like that. It just was a matter of, hey, I'm not making the kind of money that I'd like to make in this particular job. Maybe I should change my job, or maybe I should study more, or maybe I should look to invest because that seems to be a way sure. to succeed. Did you find Korea to be a uh, <clears throat> a hospitable or a you know an easy place to latch on to new skill sets? When you said, okay, I'd like to migrate over to that area of career, um, were you able to pick up the skills and find the resources you needed? Oh. Um no. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I mean, so I, you'd leave and you'd you'd. Yeah, I, I think I think it, there's a there's a there's a give and take to this kind of thing when you have skills. Like so, certain skills, yeah, you might be better off going abroad for graduate schools, which can be quite pricey and, mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, you know, when it comes to like real estate things here, uh, it's very difficult to do without Korean. Okay. And there's a lot of legal stuff. And there's a lot of bartering, and if you're familiar with bartering with Koreans in like Namdaemun Shijang or wherever else, mm. um, sometimes it can be quite uh, irksome. <laughs> yeah, I guess might be the way to, to put it. So yeah, some things very much so, like learning Korean, getting a more cosmopolitan mind about things for sure. Other things, you know, depending on what you want to do, if you wanted to expand certain areas of education or whatever, um, then you know 
you know, my thinking is just, it's not so much about being in Korea or Korean, but that this cosmopolitan thing, the sure. only thing that stops us in the modern day is really time and money. So, you know, I'm trying to work on having more of those two things, which I think all of us try to do so that yeah. we can travel and expand our abilities to the do The key things. thing being time. Time is non-renewable. Right. Um, how did you attack the problem of learning Korean? Did you get formal education in that or did you have any sort of creative ways of immersing yourself? Or? Um, it was very hard. Uh, I mean, I, I guess that's a sort of relative thing. I went to the Hagwon and studied at first, but at that time there were very few foreigners around studying. And I know there were, you know, some universities were picking up on the foreign influx uh, in the very beginning of the you know, Korean wave in the late 90s. But... Um, they taught me very formulaic, you know, Korean at a very high level of register. And so I'd go to the coffee shop and try to, you know, muddle my way through ordering a latte. Yeah. And they'd, she'd look at me or he'd look at me like, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. And so instead I just, I took a notebook and I went with Korean friends to the, to the restaurants and I just listened and took notes and I said, say that again. And, yeah. and just try to memorize and copy expressions and phrases until, they could start to explain grammar to me. And then, you know, so in a way, that was a, that was a sort of uh, labor of love, yeah. I guess, for a, for a long time. This is a, a thing with Korean education, that what they teach you, there tends to be a bit of a gap between what they teach you and what people actually say. Right. Um, there's, they're, they're doing their best to impart to you the, the cleanest, most formal grammar, but what people out there on the street actually say is different. I remember one example, right. you know, in a coffee shop, they were teaching you to say, mm. you know, what would you like to drink? Right. And it's not what people say, right? Sure. Um, this student organization at Hanguk University, right. uh, you, did, you run that, basically. Well, uh, no, I wouldn't say run it, but definitely, um, I mean, as a director of the ISO, the International Student Organization, my job is sort of to liaise and promote and create opportunities for the students and be a, a vehicle for them to make connections to Seoul or Korea okay. as foreigners. Um, it's a lot of... It's a lot of people, and the International Student Services of the university does a great job of doing all the administrative stuff, which I don't really have time to do. Uh, when you say create opportunities, is it uh, like internship opportunities or travel opportunities? It could be. It yeah. could be. Um, it, you know, it depends on the, the zeal of particular students. There are two sides to this coin. One is the the... 250-odd exchange students who come every semester from 45 countries. Yeah. And then the other side is potentially the other 1,000 foreign students at the university who may get in, in, you know, interested in the program and want to talk or may reach out to try to connect to find out something or other about things to do. So it could be something like just go to hiking or a baseball game or go to restaurants together, but it could be other things like solving problems or um, you know, life and soul or just having a chat. Well, it's such a mixed bag. Uh, all of those countries, all of those students kind of flushing in and out. Is there is there any kind of common thread or is it something <clears throat> that they share in common in terms of why they've come to Korea in the first place? That's, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> um, that's a tough question. I think, uh, you know, there's a tendency for people from like countries, like you said earlier, to kind of coalesce. Yes. And... Um, there are 50-odd Korean students who act as sort of buddies to hook and meet the um, foreign students. Yes. <clears throat> 
yeah, it gets dry Excuse in me, the studio yeah. sometimes. I feel that too. Uh, and uh, and I think they are really the catalyst for making that bridge and making that connection with the foreign students, so that they actually have a more lively experience, and they help them do all of the you know the small things to the big things and make a real friendship, which can last on and on and on. Yeah. And um, you know, I think that's the that's the thing that they don't realize it at first. They may come here because of celebrities or because of uh, their curiosity about Korea, or maybe you know uh, potential opportunities or. Uh, maybe it's just an exchange program that happens to be, able, be available. But then once they get here, I think it's those student interactions that really are the icing on the cake. Yeah. The interactions with uh, other Korean students or with the international community? That they, Koreans. Really Probably the Koreans. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, the international community is your is your bread and butter you know it's it's the the people from your same country the people from your same language mm-hmm. they're they're going to help be you know s- provide support mm-hmm. um but obviously the koreans who then are english speaking and chinese speaking and other you know Hong university of foreign studies teaches you know 45 odd languages so there are students from variety of languages also who help facilitate all this stuff so they wow. get korean you know, um, in, in language exchange and all those kind of things can be possible too. I should look into a language exchange over there. I'd, <laughs> I'd like to set one up. Looking forward into your, you know, uh, crystal ball in terms of what you want to do next. Yeah. Um, where do you see yourself going down the road from this particular position? Wow. Um, Ambassador? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think, uh, um, like you said, you know, what is the purpose of this program? What is the purpose for a lot of us? You know, I think. Uh, for me, the cosmopolitan Korean society is a really noble goal. So uh, more and more non-Koreans are coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more and more multilingual you know, people around, multicultural people around, and making Korea take that next step. Yeah. So I'm pretty content with what I'm doing and where I'm at. Um, probably I have uh, a lot of writing that I'd like to publish and turn into something that could be accessible for Koreans and foreigners. And um, <clears throat> I think that there are a number of Koreans who have would be really interested to hear some of the things that we say on the air here. Sure, sure. But in fact, it may not be accessible or they don't, they're unfamiliar. And that could be old to young, right? So opening that can up to everyone, um, I think there's a lot of work to be done. It's almost a content area. The, the International Student Organization, if you guys were to, do you do things like YouTube and, and put up podcasts and stuff like that? Because that, just watching your process as an organization and the kind of stuff, problems those students solve, I dare say it would make good content in and of itself. Yeah, I mean they have a they have a Facebook page. It's uh, Huff's ISO dot uh, Huff's ISO Soul. Okay, and I think that um, you know they're fairly often posting you know pictures and maybe the video and the podcast thing is something that would be interesting because I've thought about you know um, some of these sort of viral type videos where yes. you go through Dongdaemun Shijang and you take video and, and it's like so that. easy now. You get one of these action cameras, right. the resolution is great, you can do time lapses. And right, right. There's so many creative things and people are, you know, they're not looking for top production values. They just want to sure. have an experience, a vicarious experience. I want to talk to you later about that uh, Seoul to Busan bike trip too. <laughs> I'm, I'm very interested in that. Chris Larson, he is with the International Student Organization, a professor at Hanguk University of Foreign Studies. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, Chris. Thanks for coming in. Thanks very much, Kurt. That's going to bring Koreascape to a close today. The show is produced by Oh Jang Sop with associate production from Jamie Lee. Writing is done by Nikki Kim, and I'm Kurt Asian. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter. The handle is Koreascape. We've got Dive In Korea tomorrow morning. You don't want to miss that. And if you're in Seoul, This, That, and Amy is coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>